Hello and welcome. Uh, you are live here with us at uh, Tomorrow's World Now, and it's uh, great to be here. It's nice. It's been a week. We hope you've had a good week. I know it's been quite a week for us. Uh, let me introduce our panel real quickly. Uh, sitting to my left are two gentlemen I appreciate a great deal. To my far left is Dr. Scott Winnale. Uh, he's a minister in our church, and he is a, a faculty member, administrator for our university, Living University. Uh, sitting between the two of us is Mr. Mario Hernandez, a longtime minister and uh, actually someone who works very hard for the Tomorrow's World uh, Spanish-speaking work, and uh, appreciate him very much. My name is Wallace Smith. I'm the managing editor of Tomorrow's World Products, our publications and such. And you might be wondering where Mr. Wyas Aselka is. He is in New York City uh, dealing with a lot of uh, work there, and we appreciate him. If he's watching this, uh, hey, take care. Be careful. New York is a scary place sometimes. Uh, so welcome to the program. And the topic today is the spirit world. That's actually the topic that was selected. And we know there's a lot of interest in that. There's a, a lot going on. And you look at our culture, you look at entertainment and such, and it's a... Uh, it's on the minds, and you have questions. Let me mention this at the very beginning. If any of you have questions on this program, by all means, write on Facebook, post your question in the comments. Our fantastic team over there, you can't see them. They're all amazingly handsome and, and buff. Uh, the folks there in our control room, uh, they will send those questions to me, and then hopefully uh, we should include some of those in today's program. But let me jump into a news item. This one really got my attention. It's from the New Republic. It was just published yesterday, and the title was, why the United States government embraced the occult. Why the United States government embraced the occult. It's talking about a new book that has just come out, talking about the uh, Cold War and how during the Cold War, the United States experimented with a lot of crazy occult abilities, reading minds, telekinesis, and floating objects, and most of the experiments didn't turn out well. Uh, well, actually, I think pretty much all of them did. They were motivated because the Russians said they were doing such things, that the Russians were actually experimenting with this kind of stuff. What do you think that says about a country, uh, that it's willing to dabble in such things? What are your, what are your thoughts? We can start with you, uh, Dr. Scott Winnell. Well, you see a country who is drifting and has been drifting away from God and his way of life for mm -hmm. quite some time. So the moral foundation, the fiber of the country that would push you away from such things begins to go away. You've right. got this evolutionary perspective, and it says, hey, there's, there's power here. It, it doesn't take a, a convert to recognize there's power out there. Right. And so let's experiment with this. Let's look at it. Yeah, it's interesting, because the Bible says, who, who do you look to for protection beyond yourself? You look to God. And, you know, that's not even really a consideration. We open these other things. What's your perspective there, Mr. Hernandez? Yes, I think we have drifted so far away from... Uh, from biblical principles upon which uh, a lot of what is the history of this nation was based on, mm -hmm. and uh, that we are going so far as to use the occult to try to increase our power, knowing that there is a power above the occult that we should be seeking. And that's a sad news. I know that probably is now being used because in the Cold War, it was very well known that the Russians were experimenting with parapsychology, mm. and they were using the powers of the occult to try to fight the Cold War. Mm. So now the United States probably has decided to go that way, although we also know that some of the wives of some former presidents, at least one of them, used to consult the occult to know which direction 
Some policies should That's go right. with the nation. That's right. Her name rhymed with Schmancy Schmagen. Uh, I won't say directly, but one of my favorite presidents, I have to say, as a human being. But I, I remember being shocked to hear that they were consulting horoscopes uh, and all the rest to conduct yeah. the affairs of the country. It was disappointing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, one of the things I found in this was really interesting and actually corresponds a bit to my personal experience, I know, in, in the ministry as a pastor, was a connection with uh, hallucinogenic drugs. There's a comment here that the government was also considering how can we use things like LSD and other drugs to possibly uh, kick in some of these altered states of consciousness that could unlock some sort of powers. Again, apparently not successful, but at the same time, I've seen those kind of connections, and, and both of you have experience in the ministry, working out in the field with real people. Yeah. What about for yourselves? Do you see any kind of connection between such drugs and the spirit realm and the occult? Well, when I think of the book of James, uh, James talks about resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, how do hallucinogenic drugs impact us? What do they cause us to do? They bring down our inhibitions. They help us actually not be able to really think or resist anything. Uh, when we look at pagan religions around the world, we see hallucinogenic drugs used even in their worship services. Right. Why? Well, it drops their inhibitions and it lets the spirits be welcomed in. Mm. It, it opens a door, if you will, to a spiritual realm. And uh, there, there is something to that, certainly. Right. Uh, I know at least in America there was some sort of legal controversy concerning peyote, uh, that it should be a banned substance, and yet if it was a part of their religious practice, you know, shouldn't it be allowed? Shouldn't freedom of religion allow that kind of thing? And uh, I think if you go to ancient religions, it was kind of a kind of a standard, you know, some sort of chemical alteration. Mr. Hernandez? Yeah, I think there is a, a common theme here in many of these things is to open up to some influence, to mm, seek it, right. or to invoke it. Right. Actually, with the Wiggy board, that's what they do. Right. And uh, it's an amazing thing that people know that it's real, mm -hmm. but they open up by invoking spirits, by calling right. upon them, so they, they open up. Once you open up, there is a word in the scriptures that I always want to keep in mind. In uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, Ephesians 4, 27, do not give place to the devil. We know also by another scripture that he goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he might devour. Right. So if you give room by invoking it or by opening it up through drugs, you are really seeking the power of, and the final, the final objective of this being, we know it from the words of Jesus Christ. He's a murderer. He's seeking the destruction of the person that seeks him right. and is deceived first through certain powers that he might receive. But I think we, if you want to comment on this, I have something here that uh, we probably should comment. Yes, we are. We are. We are that. coming. You are coming to that later of the program because I find that fascinating. Yeah. And I, I think that the words you use, open, open up, yeah. opening up. I, we talked about it earlier. Turned on. We were having a discussion about about various things related to this. You know, Ouija boards are interesting. I've actually seen a study where scientists were trying to see if there was some sort of supernatural phenomenon, and they they had, they had the the participants using a board that would actually detect if anyone in the group was was using their hands. And they did find there was a uh, subconscious uh, use where one person was often sort of directing the, uh, the item on the board. And they seem to say, therefore, it's a harmless kind of game. And one, even if I grant that the study is accurate, 
that doesn't make any sense to me because the whole purpose of the game is to sort of tell the open world and the spirit world, I'm open to your influence. Exactly. Please influence me uh, as we're seeking your decisions. Uh, what kind of harmless game does that, right? We have a spirit world that's seeking to, to join in anytime, anytime we're willing to let it. I tell you one thing, by my experience with the ministry in South America where these things are common, that's the perfect formula, and I shouldn't use that term, but it's the perfect formula to have a haunted house. Hmm. When you invite them in, they are restricted, but once they are given room, they can interact with matter, and they can do things around, they, or otherwise they cannot do. The scripture says we don't have time to elaborate on that subject, but they are restricted. Once people invite them and give them room, they start moving around, and they usually stay in those places where they have been invited. Right. There is a cause for that, for haunted houses, which is a common thing now and more common as time goes. Right. I, I want to jump. We have certain articles we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to kind of jump the order on one and, and come back to the other. There was this article in Charisma Magazine, and I, I'm not endorsing Charisma Magazine, just so you know. We, we'll talk about that actually in, in here in just a moment. But it was an article just published today, and, and they asked the question, is it really so dangerous to play with the occult? Now, credit to them, they say yes. They say, yes, it's dangerous. You're actively asking a spirit realm to interact with you in some way. But let me risk possibly stepping on the toes of a lot of people that may be tuned in today, but we're not here to make people happy. We're here to talk about the truth and to analyze things in light of the Bible. When it comes to uh, the charismatic movement and speaking in tongues and asking to be filled with what you believe to be the Holy Spirit, and is that akin to this in any way? Like in your experience, you've seen like, you know, Dr. Winnell, you know, you've been a working minister and you've, you've looked into these things. What, did, what is your thought about that? <clears throat> when we think about spirits and, and the way they work, yeah, the, the, the charismatic movement's an interesting one, but it's not unique to the charismatic movement in current Christianity, worldly Christianity, to speak in tongues. When we look at religions around the world, pagan religions, one of the commonalities between these religions is the speaking in tongues. Glossalia, right? This, yes. uh, this kind of uh, weird language, right? But it's not just a language. There's actions that are involved. Um, and when you look at, we actually had a student at LU, Living University, do an independent study a few years ago, and he looked at the characteristics of glossalia in pagan religions mm -hmm. versus in the charismatic movements. And there are many similarities, more than you would believe. Mm -hmm. uh, the way it works, the actions that are taken. So there's there's something real out right. there. There is a, a real spirit world. Right. And and before we move on, I want to mention to our readers on uh, our website, tomorrowsworld.org, you can get information on this. We There is speaking in tongues in the Bible, but it's not what you see in the world today. It was actually a miracle of being able to speak foreign languages. And you can search on our website in the search box, type in speaking in tongues or something and see what resources we have. But what about your perspective, Mr. Hernandez? What, what do you think? Well, I think one of the key points that we are taught is that... Uh, by their fruits, you will know them. Hmm. One of the main fruits that are presented in the scriptures as a proof of the presence of the Holy Spirit is self-control. And one of the main manifestations in these cases when persons uh, believe that they are, uh, they are filled by the Spirit in, those, in this uh, kind of manifestations of speaking in tongues is that they lose control of themselves. And that's a very important point to think about. I think that's, I will mention just that one, is 
Yeah, this sort of spirit of, of abandoning yourself yes. completely. When does God actually give us permission in the Bible to abandon ourselves in some way? It's always a matter of, of being in, a, in control, under his control of all things. Uh, you had brought up a very interesting example that you can elaborate on better, uh, which is this phenomenon that we're seeing. You called it a, it's a blue whale game or something yes. concerning uh, this yes. sort of suicide game. I will, I will link that to this. Maybe you want to elaborate more on it. On it, But there is a title here on this Huffi Huffington Post. There's an article, the Huffington Post, January yes, 23rd, 2014. You, right? I will choose that in relation to sure. that if you want uh, to mention it. One of the articles we researched for this particular, uh, this particular program was uh, just a couple years back or so. Uh, the Huffington Post had an article which was I personally found surprising the results. The title was, Most Americans 18 to 29 years old believe in demon possession, according to a survey. Let me read a quote. Now, this really may surprise some of our people watching, because you sort of think it would go in the opposite direction. The comment was made this concerning the research. Belief in demon possession seems to be growing. While only 44% of Americans over 65 years of age surveyed, uh, surveyed by the public, uh, oh, it's a public policy polling company, only 44, 44% that I just read, 44% believe in demon possessions. 57% of Americans 47 to 65 did, and among the youngest group, so you think they'd be the most secular, the most unwilling to believe, among the youngest group, Americans 18 to 29, 63% believed in demon possession. So you actually have a phenomenon where the younger the person, the more willing they are to believe in demon possession. Uh, what, what do I you think, make of uh, that? I think Dr. Scott Wernade had a comment on that one. Yeah. Uh, well, it's interesting when we look at this younger generation, we might call them the millennials today. Who are they? They're really the Harry Potter generation. <clears throat> They're a generation of young people who've been exposed to a, a cadre of books, mm. a, a media blitz, if you will, movies and television programs that have to do with the occult, that have to do with the paranormal. It's, the paranormal is something that pervades TV today. And who's watching those programs? Right. It's these young people. Is it because they're interested only? Um, how, what spins their mind toward mm. the reality of demons in, in the occult? Right. Are these programs helping them realize there's actually something out there? Right. And I, what I like about what you're saying, what I don't like, I mean, it's, it, it can be spooky, but we also see this younger generation is generally more secular. They're more science-oriented, et cetera. And so as a result, they're, they're having a religious foundation removed from them, so they have no context in which to place these ideas and beliefs. And I would say that possibly, therefore, they don't think of it as dangerous as older generations would. Those who believe in it in older generations think of it as dangerous. Mm -hmm. These younger ones may not. It's just seen as another part of the world, something interesting and fascinating, which would then make them that much more vulnerable uh, to being abused by a very real spirit realm, which might be related to the phenomenon that you've, that you've brought up. Yes, indeed. Here I have a title of news that our news now in the United Kingdom and I'm pretty convinced it will be news here in the United States very soon, and they might already be there. It says here, Blue Whale's suicide game linked to 113 deaths makes its, makes its way to the United Kingdom. This started in Russia. And I read a little bit further. It says, a potentially dangerous social media game which has been linked to 113 deaths in Russia is making its way to the United Kingdom, leading to schools issuing warnings to parents. Wow. So this is, uh, I heard this morning in Colombia, they already 
at least two suicides, and in Brazil, where it has penetrated, there is big alarm because they already have several suicides. I don't have the figure right now here, but I would like to. This game gave origin, frankly, to this move, Nerve, who came out mm -hmm. in August of 2016. Okay. It was on the theaters. And I, I will explain a little bit how, and, and it's interesting to see how this is dangerous and how it relates to what I mentioned first, that Jesus Christ said that Satan the devil, who is the, the, the spirit that works, or it's called the prince of the power of the air. It's amazing all these things are transmitted now through the air, and there is having a tremendous influence in the, in the young public when they use this social network, social networks. You see, among the, the challenges that must be proven, they, they challenge them to do things, not just to play on the screen, but go and do things themselves. And here I, I quote a few, and you can verify this. Among the challenges that they have to demonstrate to be able to continue on the game, there are some that are quite simple, like to make a drawing of a blue whale in a paper. There are others that go pretty much beyond that, like to cut their lips, or to make a hole in their hand, or make a tattoo of a blue whale with a piece of metal on their arm. And then comes this one, to spend 24 hours without sleeping, watching horror movies. Mm -hmm. What is this? It's opening up again, as you say. Right. When you lose sleep, your defenses go down. You expose yourself to horror movies, and what is the end of the game? Is they have to prove they win the game, they are invited to commit suicide. Uh. And there are man, more than one, 130 suicide among these young people that are following this game. Wow. So we, we put together the spirit world with murder, and this is what we're seeing. The end result, many young people are committing suicide, and that's going to come uh, to the United States, and we're going to see news about it. Well, we do. We do see an increasing suicide rate among the young. I've read that in The Economist. I've read that in a variety of different sources. I have to, by the way, behind the scenes for all of you out there, this article is in Spanish, I just realized. Were you translating that live right there? Oh, yes. That's impressive. <laughs> I, I saw 24 horas. That's, that's my 24 best 24 hours attempt. without sleeping. <laughs> yes. It did a wonderful job. Watching horror movies. I mean, that's it. And like you were saying with these drugs, yeah. just to open up it is. to this to this spirit world. We see a lot of pagan rituals and stuff. There was a lot of sort of physical preparation. You had the, the priests of Baal cutting themselves. There really yeah. is this kind of thing to sort of the weaken the mind story. and do those kinds of things. Yes. You know, we can't necessarily prove that this is necessarily because of spiritual influence, but I can say those are the kind of things that, that the spirit world, the evil side of that, wants us doing, is debasing our bodies and destroying ourselves. You mm -hmm. see examples in the Bible of spirits causing some to throw themselves into a fire and to damage themselves because it is a spirit of a spirit of murder. Yeah. Uh, you want to comment on that, Dr. Wayne? Well, actually, what I'd like to point out is Paul makes a comment in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And he talks about in the last days, the, you're going to see these different signs and symptoms in mm, society. Mm. And some of the ones he mentions are people are going to be brutal. They're going to be despisers of good. They're going to be unloving. Right. And when we look around the world and we look at the news, we see some of these almost bizarre behaviors, these 
non-human or super beyond human types of things that are going on. Facebook is having a real big deal right now because people are posting murders on Facebook. Right. Uh, Tuesday this week, there was a, a, a posting of a man in Thailand who actually murdered his one-year-old, two-year-old daughter. Uh. And it was, it was a brutal situation. I won't go into the details. He then took his own life. Mm. But why, what would motivate a father a parent right. to do it's something so like this. Right? Everything in our programming that God yeah. has designed us with says, you take care of your children. Uh, is it po Was it possibly a possession? Was it spirit influence? At the very least, and you've made this comment earlier in our discussions before the program, and you've followed up on it here, that the devil, uh, it talks about the prince of the power of the air, not necessarily air molecules, but this idea of broadcasting an attitude right. that can affect all of us. And we can be in certain states of mind. Sometimes we just live in dark circumstances that make us more open and receptive. Um, it actually, you know, sometimes the, the environment we create for ourselves may not actually seem so dark. And this is what I like to bring up. Uh, I've been in a lot of people's homes, people that are curious about what we teach and wanting to know more. And I visit, and sometimes you'll have some, and this might even be some of our viewers, again, we may step on some toes, where their homes are filled with statues of angels. Oh, and they're so beautiful. They just have wings and gowns and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And is that really healthy? I know I have my thoughts, but I want to turn it over to you guys. Is it really healthy to surround yourself with statues of these, of these beings? Yeah, first of all, you know, the second commandment warns very clearly about that. And something very interesting, the, the cult of angels, the worship of angels is very popular now. Very popular. People feel my guardian angel. And they, the interesting thing is that angel means messenger. Hmm. When you read the Bible, every time an angel appears on the scene, he's bringing a message from God. But not one single time you find a servant of the Most High God worshiping angels. When John the Evangelist, when he finished writing, uh, the, the angel was dictating to him the book of Revelation. He was going to worship him. He said, no, don't do it. You worship God, not me. And then every time you can make your own Bible study, and I guarantee you are not going to find one single time when a right. servant of God will worship an angel. They are just the instruments of God to convey messages that are important in his plan. Right, and I want to elaborate on what you're saying because I think a lot of folks out there would think, well, I'm not worshiping them. I'm just putting a statue on my mantelpiece, and I'm putting a statue in my bedroom, and I'm wearing a shirt with it. I'm wearing a bracelet with it. But yet a lot of these people, that's what I say. It has like little written prayers to their angel, you know, may my yeah. angel protect me and such. And at least in the Bible, the example you're saying, good angels don't do that. It's the, it's the fallen spirit beings yeah. that want attention for themselves. Exactly. It's not those. Uh, Dr. Yes. Scott, any thoughts? Well, the other thing is these angels that we see pictures of today don't look like angels. <laughs> when we study what angels look like in the Scripture. They're like beautiful, long-haired women, you know, with all the rest of does. No, they're actually, we would, we would probably consider them scary-looking. Yeah. They're, they're very incredible-looking beings. Right. Ezekiel talks about them in Ezekiel chapter 1 and elsewhere. So uh, we, we've got these images of something we want to hold up for some reason, right. yet it doesn't even look like the real thing. And you know, building on that point, what does the Bible say about the devil? It says that he, he makes himself appear to be an angel of light. Yes. Uh, he, he doesn't want to be scary. He wants to be beautiful. He wants to be enticing. You know, for someone to say, well, I've just surrounded myself with images of, of the good angels. Yes. That's exactly how the devil wants to come across. You know, that exactly. is not a part of anything you see really. In the, it's not a biblical practice, but I think it's, it's very it's, natural. It's sort of like the, the idea of 
I'm, I'm going to be a good witch, and we're going to do good spells. I was reading something about that uh, recently. These people who've uh, cast spells on Donald Trump when he came into <laughs> office. We're, 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 go- we're not going to put him down. We're going to do good spells. Oh, so is, is that what it was? I didn't actually finish reading that one. Oh, that was, that's how wonderful. Good spells yeah, to that's... protect the American populace from him. Wow. Well, we'll see how all that works out. Uh, you know, I think uh, Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 might have a different, might have a different opinion about some of that. Uh, let me just ask real quickly, if you could, if you could summarize for, for some of our viewers very briefly, what would you recommend, like if they're about to go see a movie of some sort that might involve some of this, and you're going to say one thing that would stick in their head very briefly and powerfully that might advise them one way or the other. What, what might you say? What one thing might you say, Mr. Hernandez? Well, I would say uh, there is a, a, a teaching that is just powerful in the Bible is the fear of God. Mm. And the fear of God is to hate evil. And uh, we should have enough discernment by now, seeing the things that are happening, to know if you expose ourselves to that type of influence, we're not having the fear of God. And we should flee from those, like uh, Dr. Scott said, resist the devil. If you are putting yourself in a theater where these powerful influences are are even enhanced with with all these powerful, you know, special effects and the sounding, Mm -hmm. and, and you are putting in the middle of this, you are opening up to this influence. You, are me- you will end up suffering consequences. So, so the, the advice, I would say, is stay away from it. Right. So if it's not something that actually is hating the evil, why would I want to mix up with it? Why would I want to, to partake of that? And so stay away. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, Dr. Scott? You know, Philippians 2.5, Paul says we're supposed to put on the mind of Christ. And then later on in the book, he begins to discuss how we begin to do that. Philippians 4.8, to me, really is a guiding principle. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Right. And that really, as Christians, as God's people, that's got to be the driving force behind right. us. We, we want to do what God wants. Right. That was some great advice given to me uh, in a particular circumstance was, how do we evaluate some things? And that exact passage was given. Can I evaluate what I'm about to see or listen to, and does it fit within that scope? And if so, it might be fine. But if not, you really need to rethink that. You, you had something on your mind. I could tell. I could tell by your face. Yeah, I said. I said these are powerful forces. We don't deny that they they are power, and they are willing to to give some of that power to people that invoke them. But we have spoken of the end result. You know, it's a very tricky world, and uh, there are good news. We have to bring good news here to people. That's going to disappear soon. Right. Uh, I'm going to read that scripture in, in Revelation chapter 20, where that deception is going to disappear from the face of the earth at Christ's return. And I think that's more marvelous good news. So I invite also our audience, our public here, to keep this in mind. In chapter 20, verse 1 of the book of Revelation, he said, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up 
and set up a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more. So this, these are good news that we can bring in spite of the dangers people are suffering now. That's going to be clear from the, and the deception will stop and people will really understand the truth. Right, so there, there is a better, there is a better world coming. I, do you expect things to get worse before they get better? Absolutely. Either of you, from what the Bible says, do you? Definitely. Um, this is Satan's world. Dr. Meredith, in the, uh, I think it was July, August of 2016, Tomorrow's World magazine wrote an article on Satan's alternative universe. And in that article, he's talking about how Satan is in charge of things today. But he does bring it around to what Mr. Hernandez is talking about. There's going to be a time when he's not here anymore. But as Revelation talks about, he, he's running out of time. Right. He knows he's got a short time left. So he's, uh, he's going about, yeah. as Peter says, as a roaring lion seeking right. whom he want, may devour because he knows that he's up against the wall and the clock is ticking. And then right. he's going to be taken away. And, right. And his main objectives, among his main objectives now is the childhood and the youth. That's where they are being attacked the most by this power. Right. So if we're old like me, and we should feel safe. No, that's supposed to be a, <laughs> it's a terrible joke. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to make a comment. We actually have viewers from a lot of folks um, from Western Cape, South Africa, Waltonia, Belgium, Quebec, Canada, Arkansas, USA. A lot of folks tuned in today. Uh, we really appreciate all of you very much. And let me add real quickly, because it, it's almost done, and many of our viewers may be subscribers to the Tomorrow's World magazine. If you're not, you should be. And we are uh, coming out with, in fact, you'll, if you're a subscriber, you should be getting a letter here really soon, with an actual DVD, the title of which is The Occult and the Spirit World. Uh, be free to all of our subscribers. You're going to come, it's going to come with a slip. And if you want that, it's three powerful programs. Just send that in. I can't help myself. I'm on the telecast. I, you know, it's an amazing piece of literature we've put together. That really is all the, uh, all the time that we are going to have today. Uh, first, thank you guys. Uh, very much appreciate your input and a lot of hard work. Uh, a lot of work goes into this. I, I can't name them all by name, but... Uh, We've got Ronald McDonald in the control room, and we've got, uh, oh, that's probably a copyrighted name. Ah, oh, great. What have I done? What have I done to us? Uh, anyway, thank all of you for joining us today. We're very much looking forward to seeing you next week, uh, and from all of us here at TW Now, take care.